All right. It is good to have you here. Thanks so much. Thursday, December 28th, getting closer and closer to New Year's Eve, are we not? Uh, be ready to raise a toast on what is really an amateur hour out there. Uh, I, I hope you're not getting burned down by some New Year's Eve plans where they charge twice the price for half the fun. So I think part of the maturation process is the closer you get to New Year's, the more you know that going out on that evening really isn't all it used to be. But again, we'll worry about that at another time. It is good to have you here. Thank you so very, very much. As you can tell, we might have been discussing what we're doing on New Year's. Chances are the answer to that is not much. Uh, so is the life when you've got two kids under the age of five. Uh, I, I can tell you we're all starting to feel just a little bit better coming up from out of the cold, which is good news. But we're not going to have an 11 o'clock show on Friday. We're going to do a wake up with Damon and Larry Friday morning. But the 11 o'clock is going to be a little bit more of that vacation time for someone who hasn't taken much vacation because there are no days off especially during football season. And that brings us to our main topic today. And our main topic is Mr. Christian McCaffrey. Because this is just a made guy of the very first degree. Christian McCaffrey is absolutely no joke at all when it comes to that guy ain't joking around. And it's seemingly one of the very few topics or players or NFL entities that everybody agrees on. Like, you can hate the 49ers all you want. I don't detect any Christian McCaffrey hatred coming from any direction, any precinct. There is no, it can't be Christian McCaffrey, like, camp out there. I haven't heard Nick Wright do the segment. I haven't heard Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith do that segment. I don't think that that segment exists in time nor space. Everybody seems to be pro-Christian McCaffrey. And when we did... The 49ers, who's got the most to gain from winning a Super Bowl, whose reputations would bounce the highest if they were to win a Super Bowl this year? I left Christian McCaffrey off the list because as far as I'm concerned, Christian McCaffrey is just a made man of that first degree right now. He's got nothing to lose and everything to gain, you know, win or not, there's not a single person who's going to tell you that Christian McCaffrey isn't something. You know, people who question everything or everyone or every scenario in which anybody sees and is happening in, no one seems to question Christian McCaffrey. Like the guy is a world agreed upon stud. So maybe just for everybody's sanity and just so it doesn't turn into a quarterback's only award, might I recommend the NFL think about giving its MVP to Christian McCaffrey? I mean, why not? Why not? It feels like he disqualifies the very first argument that is ever held against anybody in an MVP debate, especially if that person is going to be a quarterback, where now the concept of system comes into play. Well, Christian McCaffrey is in his second system, and he was awesome in that first system, too. He's awesome in his second system. So it feels like everyone has seen enough out of one guy in two systems to they're convinced, all right, it's the guy. You know, the offensive line that isn't very good, according to a lot of fans, is that same offensive line that, what, isn't very good for Christian McCaffrey? Well, it must be pretty good, or he must be extra special. And look, he is extra special. Of all running backs, 
created equal. He, he ain't equal. He's a different cat. He really is. Christian McCaffrey has been amazing in two systems. He's been amazing all year. If consistency is one of the things you're looking for in an MVP, like if the inconsistent, horrible, blew up all in his face game against the Baltimore Ravens, if that inconsistency is enough to completely remove Brock Purdy from the conversation once and for all, then consistency that McCaffrey seems to produce week in, week out should be one of those things that is propping him up in his MVP debate up because they're, what is the bad Christian McCaffrey game? Where was it this year? You could go ahead and maybe find games with less productions, fewer touchdowns, but I don't think Christian McCaffrey has had a straight up write that down, scored against him. That was a bad game. I don't, I don't think it's happened. It hasn't all year. This is a guy who's rushed for nearly 1,400 yards. He's got two games still to play. He's got about 300-ish yards more rushing than anybody else in football, so he's really separated himself from his peers. He leads the NFL with 78 first downs as a ball carrier. That, to me, is a very significant number. He's second in yards per carry. His 517 receiving yards with seven or more touchdowns is giving him one of those really gaudy, how many touchdowns did you score seasons? He's got 21 total. The 21 total touchdowns is tied for the lead in touchdowns this season with Raheem Mostert. Why isn't Raheem Mostert getting MVP consideration? Oh, because that's because Tua is a quarterback and he is, I don't know if he's in the conversation, but you do hear Tua's name every now and then. Tyreek Hill a week or two ago became a, well, if you're giving it to a guy with the best season, this guy's having one of the best seasons any wide receiver has ever had. Maybe he should be in the conversation, but he's not going to be in the conversation when it's all said and done. Maybe Raheem Mostert's getting screwed here a little bit. Isn't that something, man? 49ers had Raheem Mostert. And that guy's leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns, along with Christian McCaffrey, who is tied for the most total touchdowns with Raheem Mostert. Raheem even has more rushing touchdowns than McCaffrey does. So it feels like, just for the sanity of all of us, it'd be nice if we could wrap this thing up. But the truth is, there's two more games to play. A lot of football can happen in two more games. And in you know very close races... How you break the tape at the end will determine whether or not you're you're winning the race or not. So we'll see, right? We'll we'll see if Christian McCaffrey, with a couple of massive games in the end of the year, can't actually become the NFL's MVP. It feels like Lamar Jackson is the clubhouse leader right now. Who is in the clubhouse? Feels like Brock Purdy got thrown out of the clubhouse. So who else is in the clubhouse? There can't be anyone new here, right? Wrong. We got ourselves a new let's talk about this guy late in the year. The MVP debate should, if not be over, should definitely not be including new names. But apparently for Matthew Stafford, he has entered this debate here in week 17. You know, the Rams, they haven't died yet. And because they haven't died yet, and Stafford's having a good year, but any way you want to measure it, he's having a really good year, an MVP year, not really, but okay, uh, you know, the Rams aren't dead. 
And so everyone is looking around the room saying, well, what else can we find? What else can we prop up? And what else meets the media's preferred standards of an MVP? Again, that system has become a dirty word. Well, guess what? Matthew Stafford has shook that system label off of him. He's got an unbelievable amount of talent. He was a very highly drafted player, and he's been on two teams. One team system was so bad it held him down. The other team system held him right enough to where he won a Lombardi trophy. So you can't put that system on him. And then everyone sorts of, you know, to, to, to get Matthew Stafford into this conversation, People have forgotten some of the things they're scoring against Brock Purdy. Well, Brock Purdy's got all that talent around him, so it can't be Brock Purdy. Well, look at the talent that's around Matthew Stafford. I mean, did anyone remember the name Cooper Cup? You should. You should probably remember that name. Anybody remember the name Puka Nakua? Well, it might be a new name this year, but that guy's having one of the greatest rookie seasons in NFL history. Tutu Atwell's a really good player. Uh, Kyron Williams is having a hell of a season as a running back for the Rams. So even though having talent around you is scored against some guys, for whatever reason, it's not getting scored against Matthew Stafford. Because again, the Rams weren't supposed to be very good this year, and now the Rams are in a situation where they might have a good year when it's all said and done. So... Now, he must be the guy doing all of that. Let's completely forget that he's got a state-of-the-art, no-dust-on-him head coach, which, again, is scored against Brock Purdy when it's convenient for him. When it's convenient to score, your head coach is really good at what he does uh, against Brock Purdy. It's scored all the time. It never happens for Patrick Mahomes, and it apparently isn't going to happen for Matthew Stafford. Okay, again, we move goalposts. So let's just look at raw data. Matthew Stafford, 3,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Look, if you're going to accept those as the numbers that the MVP has, because they're really not MVP numbers, but what Matthew Stafford gives is that false sense of security about an MVP situation, right? That's why he is being put into this debate late in the game. Well, if you like 3,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions, what do you think of 3,600 yards, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions? Four fewer interceptions, only three fewer touchdowns. That's very comparable. Well, that's C.J. Stroud. How come C.J. Stroud isn't in this conversation? Well, he's not in this conversation because he's a rookie, and there's already a rookie award waiting for him called Rookie of the Year, and he's can't, he can't enter the MVP debate, although I think you could make the argument that the Houston Texans would be among the more dead-on-arrival football teams without him. You know, you really want to get into the numbers, the numbers-ish that Matthew Stafford has? Look at C.J. Stroud, see that he's got less around him everywhere you look. Why isn't he the MVP? Oh, another reason is, is no one gives a shit about the Houston Texans. You know, you talk about the Houston Texans as the next topic on your show, and you tease that before the commercial break. There might not be people coming back after the commercial break. How about 3,900 yards, 30 touchdowns, and seven interceptions? Again, Stafford is at 36, 23, and 9. How about 39, 30, and 7? Like, more yards, more touchdowns, fewer interceptions. That's better than Matthew Stafford in every conceivable way. 
Well, those are Dak Prescott's numbers. How could you say that Matthew Stafford is more worthy of the MVP than Dak Prescott? Well, now you're what? Scoring the Dallas Cowboys against him? The doubt the I don't I don't know. Like CD Lamb is good enough to where he can't win it now. I don't hear that Dak is surrounded by all this talent argument as much, but Dak is putting up some really big numbers. All all due respect to them, they're better than Matthew. Why isn't it Dak? How about this? 4,050 yards, 29 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So you get more yardage, more touchdowns, and two only two more picks. Well, now we're back to Brock Purdy. I mean, it's really, really weird. It's like we go the whole season long, and the MVP candidate has to fit the narrative the media wants to tell. And then we get to the end of the year, and now you got to get a story that fits the narrative to find the right MVP candidate. It's it's really weird. And I don't even know if I just made any sense there. I, I invite you to get up and crawl around in my head for a little while. It's a scary place to be. It really is. But it's like, well, we couldn't fit anyone into our into our definition, so now we're going to try to make the definition fit into somebody. And the definition of what we want out of our MVP fits more into Matthew Stafford if you ignore some of the things that we score against Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott, and we haven't even bothered to score C.J. Stroud at all. Like, it's really weird. It's... The MVP debate is an awful lot like a homecoming king vote. Like the popular guy of the moment, big man on campus, has more of a chance to win. You know, the higher profile team, the bigger position you hold, not just in the NFL, not even record-wise, but in terms of we can talk about you and get good ratings hierarchy, I think that that has something to do with it too, and it should have nothing to do with it, but it does. It does. When I talk, do people pay attention? If I talk about C.J. Stroud, there will be fewer people paying attention. If I talk about Brock Purdy or now Matthew Stafford this week, maybe more people will lean in and pay attention. I don't know. It's just the whole thing's so weird, and it feels like you're—not you're, only are you splitting hairs among all these quarterback debates, but you're redefining what hairs are important enough to split for one guy but not the other guy— so again, I come back to my original topic where today's show began. Just give it to Christian McCaffrey. Just give this goddamn MVP to Christian McCaffrey, and I don't think anybody's going to mind. I don't think anybody's going to be upset. I don't think there's going to be one nasty, he doesn't deserve it, wasn't worthy of it, shouldn't have won it type of, of articles. I, I don't think you'd get one of those. Can we actually reach a decision in sports postseason awards that come without scandal? Without people questioning, probably not. But it feels like Christian McCaffrey is about as close as we could get. So maybe for the sake of all of us and the shows that we watch and the podcasts that we listen to and the things that we consume, just give it to him. Just give it to him. Oh, by the way, the thing about Matthew Stafford not being on a very good team, Kyron Williams, Rams running back, he leads the NFL in rushing yards per game. Uh, Cooper Cup is an absolute beast. Puka Nakua is having one of the great rookie seasons in NFL history. And again, Sean McVay was such a well-regarded coach that if you shook his hand two years ago, you got a head coaching job. 
Now, when you talk about Brock Purdy, well, Christian McCaffrey's too good and his talent around him's too good. And he's got two really good wide receivers. He's got that defense. He's got the head coach. So it can't be him. That's a system. Apparently, the system doesn't apply to, to, to Stafford. How about that? Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? I'll tell you what's not weird. What's not weird is a good idea, like where should we go to lunch? And where you should go to lunch today is with my man, Ike. Ike has the best sandwiches you are going to put into your mouth. You'd know that in 2023. The same will be true in 2024. As you're getting ready for a new year, why not try a new sandwich? I always go back to like my old staples. I'm going to eat my way more through the menu in 2024. I think that is the resolution that I will have. More variety in my Ike's orders. I suggest you try it. Download that Ike's Reward app. You will start eating your way towards free sandwiches. Uh, it's a good way to find the Ike's closest to you. It's a good way to find out if that isn't a delivery distance for you. Download that Ike's Reward app. You'll be very happy that you did. Uh, because it is the holidays week, we, we're just blowing it out and giving love to all of our sponsors. Want to give an awful lot of love to Dr. Paul Hughes of Hughes Orthopedics. Man, I am down on the floor playing with my boys. My knee isn't barking at me anymore because I got cellular replacement therapy instead of surgery. And I got it from Dr. Paul Hughes down in San Mateo. And if you're interested in such a thing, Go to orthopedicsurgeries.com if you'd like to avoid an orthopedic surgery. Google Dr. Paul Hughes. You're going to find out this man is at the edge of new medicine that can prevent the incredibly invasive procedure that is hip replacement, joint replacement, knee replacement, partial knee replacement, shoulder replacement. He can fix you, folks. He can fix you. I'd like to fix you up with a great cheeseburger. Oh, man, my boys and Uncle Boys get it done. Absolutely get it done. They sponsor every Friday's Good for Ball, Bad for Ball segment. We're not going to be doing an 11 o'clock show Friday. Um, so I just want to get Uncle Boys in here right now. We love Uncle Boys an awful lot. Our, our, our signed-up-to-be Friday segment sponsor keeps creeping back into the show because we just got so much love for those who love us back. And thank you, for loving us back. I feel like among the sponsors we should mention is just read off a list of the initiated. Well, the initiated, there's so many of you. I see Skills Report, uh, San Bruno Mike, True Blue Forever, Chef A, my goodness, look at all of you. Um, just an awful lot of people have signed up to help support the channel. Big Mac, 8675, a uh, lot, lot of, lot, lots of members and initiated in the chat here today. And I thank you all so very, very much. Memberships are available. Um, if you'd like to support the channel, it would mean an awful lot. Also, what would mean an awful lot is just hit subscribe. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. You'll be happy that you did. Or maybe you won't be happy that you did, but I'll be happy that you did it. And, you know, thank you very much. We're going to talk about some ratings and some hijacking in just a second. But uh, there's there's one show I'm happy I don't have to go up against, and that would be uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, apparently, True Blue Forever stumbled upon a Mystery Science Theater 3000 marathon on YouTube. Work productivity has been nil so far today. He's True Blue Forever is already saying he's on his third bad movie of the morning, thanks to Mystery Science Theater 
3000. When that came out, I thought it was so clever. I did, I really did. I loved Mystery Science Theater when it came out. Um, a lot of people are stuck in between that. I'm still I'm, I'm still kind of on vacation, but I got to wrap up my end of year. So, you know, we got sympathy for that. Stacy Leo, good morning. Um, she is listening to uh well well this this started with AJ Cruz saying that he was spinning Songs of the Key of Light, uh, Keys of Life, one of the best Stevie Wonder albums there is. Um, AJ Cruz, great taste in music. And then of course, Stacy Duke, uh, Stacy Leo is saying, Sir Duke, her first 45 that she bought as a teen. There you go. Look it up, kids. 45 used to be tiny, cute records that would have one song on them. You got to look it up. Um, but, uh, Sir Duke is a great song. Wood blocks sound happy, don't they? Those wood blocks that he clicks on Sir Duke, they just sound so happy. I love that song. Uh, we got Lo Professora, again, stuck between wanting to clean off the desk, have a day off, a lot of papers. She's working hard. Buenos dias, Lo Professora. And Gina, she's saying, this is my normal day off. Most days I listen to the podcast at the end of my work days. Gina, I'm glad you're here. Live and alive with us right now. Thank you so very, very much. It's good to have you. Good to have all of you. Um, Christian McCaffrey, if you hate on Christian McCaffrey, you just don't know football or really anything. And and look, I, that's the thing. It feels like in a world of everyone is hating on someone somehow, some way, in any way possible, there's no Christian McCaffrey hatred out there. So just give him the MVP and we can all live in harmony for a change. Ahmad Z, CMC is going to lead the Niners to the Super Bowl. We'll see. We'll see. True Blue Forever. Why does Damon make me feel like drinking? Don't put that on me. Don't you put that evil on me, True Blue Forever. That's a, that's a you issue, not a me issue, but thank you. It's because you're so comfortable. It's because you're just so safe and secure. Speaking of safe, I hope Smiley Dan's having a great day today. Just an awesome, awesome group that we have here. I hope many of you plan on a Friday morning wake up with Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger as we're going to get you ready for 49ers and Commanders. Commanders going with Jacoby Brissett against the 49ers. Um, the Broncos, by the way, benching Russell Wilson the rest of the way. Uh, who wants Russell Wilson? Apparently, you can have him on your team if you're willing to make a trade that is just going to skin the Broncos alive when it's all said and done. By the way, there is another little quarterbacking bit of news out this morning. Apparently, the Vikings are out of love with Nick Mullins uh, and are going to start rookie Jaron Hall from BYU against the Packers on Sunday night. This is a primetime rivalry game with playoff implications, and they're going with a rookie quarterback. Skull to that. Good luck, Vikings. Um, the NFL. I read an interesting column from my buddy Ethan Sherwood Strauss, which is uh, on Substack, and it's a great, great place to uh, just be become a re like. If you're a sports fan, I really subscribe. I, I really suggest you subscribe to Ethan Sherwood Strauss on, on on Substack. He's such an interesting writer, and he broke down how the NFL is essentially hijacked Christmas Day now from the NBA. Looking at the ratings. The ratings are out for this year. Uh, the average NBA Christmas Day game drew an average of 2.88 million viewers. 
which is pretty good. Uh, not compared to what it used to be, but they were up against football. And the average audience for any Christmas Day NBA or NFL game was 28.5 million. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically getting 10x, 10 times the audience for a football game over a basketball game on Christmas Day. Last year, the NFL, writes Ethan, flooded the zone with three Sunday Christmas games for the first time ever, and they roughly five times, 5 x the NBA's viewership. Um, and then this year, they 10 x it. So the question is, what is going to happen next year? Well, the schedule is not as easy to fit into the NFL's schedule because Christmas 2024 is on a Wednesday. Are we going to have three Wednesday NFL games? The thing that that I guess is... You know, the NFL is always looking to put its games where people will watch them and find them. But you can put those games anywhere and we'll watch and find them. You know, uh, there, there might not be nearly as many people watching when a game's like on Peacock or on Amazon, but the NFL doesn't care because they got paid for that. So those aren't ratings numbers that they care about. They will The NFL, if you can say, you'll make more money with fewer people watching, they'll take the more money, fewer people watching bargain every single time. Are they seriously going to put three games on Christmas Day? On a Wednesday? Have we ever had a Wednesday NFL game? I don't even know. I don't think so. But that could happen in 2024. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to know how just of a different media world, a different interest world we live in, just eight years ago, Christmas 2015, 11.17 million people tuned in to watch Steph Curry's Warriors playing LeBron James's Cavaliers. Now, the sure, they were in the middle of their, you know, going at each other in all those NBA finals in a row. So that's just not... It's Steph and LeBron. It's Steph and LeBron at the peak of their powers, at the peak of their rivalry. But wow, I mean, 11.17 million watching an NBA Christmas Day game, and now you're down to 2.88. There's a lot of talk about why has Mark Cuban decided to sell his controlling interest in the Dallas Mavericks? Like the Mavericks, even though they just got sold to what uh, Shelly Shelley Adelson's son-in-law or whatever it is, Sheldon Adelson, uh, basically Mr. Las Vegas, who got the Raiders to come to Las Vegas, are, are the Mavericks going to move to Las Vegas? No, I don't think so. They do a lot of business down in Dallas. They're a big deal down in Dallas. The question is here, is Mark Cuban is always ahead of trends. Is the NBA's bubble about to burst? Is Mark Cuban onto a trend that is coming to basketball where all of a sudden it's not going to be this oh, values of every franchise just continue to rise to infinity and beyond? Did he get out because the time to get out is the day before everybody else realizes it might be time to get out? 
So that's a little interesting sort of sports business thing to keep an eye on. Again, I love basketball. I don't see basketball for its lack of audience. I watch basketball because I love basketball. I watch basketball because I'm a basketball junkie. Mark Cuban is a basketball junkie. He went to Indiana University. He started his entire broadcast.com empire so he could broadcast over the internet IU games. And Don Fisher, who's been doing IU play-by-play for a million years. Like, Mark Cuban loves basketball. Uh, Mark Cuban loves attention. I think he's also always loved the attention that the NBA has brought to him. For him to say, I'm out, I'm good. You know, even though we got Luka and Kyrie and this is a kind of an interesting team now, like I'm walking away now, it's got some people going, huh, is, is, is the rainbow about to end? And maybe the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow isn't as big as it used to be. So that's an interesting NBA story. Interesting NBA stretch of games coming up for the Golden State Warriors. Miami Heat, Heat culture in town at Chase Center at 7 p.m. The Warriors are 15 and 15 on the year. That is an uninspired 15 and 15. But I got to tell you, like, I, I really think that the Warriors are going to be heard from before it's all said and done. And it's taken an ordinate amount of time to figure out what they got by a coach who seems to be starting to come around to resisting. He's no longer going to resist what they might be in the names of holding on to what they used to be. Like, it feels like Steve Kerr has gotten the message and the data points that, hey, more Pajemski, more Trace Jackson Davis, less Looney, less Wiggins. This could all be good. Jonathan Kaminga's getting starts. Tim Kawakami had a really interesting article about how Can Kaminga and Wiggins coexist on the court together? They haven't been a good pair together. And I'm not going to share all of this article with you. It gets very number heavy, but, you know, defensive possessions per 100 possessions. Kaminga and Moody are one of the worst duos in the NBA, which really doesn't make sense because they're both incredibly athletic, long wing players that are built to guard and defend and score against other Teams, very athletic, long wing players. Like it, there's no reason why the two of those guys shouldn't fit together. They just haven't. So coach them up, Steve. That's what you need to do. It's a seven game homestand for the Warriors, and they go out on a little bit of a road trip, and then they come back for another big stretch of home games. This is the time of the year where the Warriors better get their feet underneath them underneath them or else they're going to be slipping throughout the entire year. Now, Clay has used a 30 game tune-up and he started to play some decent basketball, but the thing is that Clay Thompson needs to drop about 20, 25 good games in a row here. And he needs to do a lot more than that if he plans on being brought back as a Golden State Warrior at the end of this season. But we need more Pajemski, more Trace Jackson Davis, more Moses Moody, less Looney, and, you know, when Draymond Green is coming back, I think he should have to sort of reestablish himself and re-earn those minutes. I don't think he should just be thrown right back in any starting lineup. I don't. And I, I, I really don't. I think that he should have to earn back his reputation on this team 
and that might get a really good version of Draymond. And the I think the most frustrating thing about the constant Draymond headache that has been ever-present this year is that in the games where he wasn't getting suspended or thrown out of, he was playing really good basketball. So he comes back, they should get better. Kerr seems to be glomming onto the fact that his bench unit might be at times better than his starters. That seems to be coming into focus for him. And as players return, as that focus comes into more clarity, the Warriors, look, I'm telling you right now, the Warriors have a shot at salvaging this. They really do. You know, they played a pretty toothy schedule to this point. But the West just continues to cannibalize itself. You know why the the Timberwolves and the Thunder are at the top of the Western Conference right now? It isn't because they got the two best teams. It's because they got two young teams that have taken it upon themselves to use the early part of the NBA season to play super duper hard. And, you know, they're, they're trying to establish who they are. But there's no way that those two teams are the cream of the crop of the Western Conference. You got a Suns team that a lot of people looked at how that Suns team was put together and they thought, all right, I'm going to put a little, you know, futures bet. They could be NBA champions on them. Guess who's also 15 and 15 this year? It's the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors have the exact same record. That's just kind of how weird of a year it's been in the NBA in the Western Conference. Kevin Durant's honeymoon in Phoenix, by the way, it's over. That, that is over. He is already kind of dauber downing and not feeling good about the team that he's on. And there was a little, what, he is going at Woj and deleting posts. And like, that's how it starts with Kevin. Kevin gets his rabbit ears and he doesn't like what he's hearing. And then he starts thinking, geez, maybe I need out of here. Don't tell me that ain't the truth, Kevin. We saw it happen in Golden State in a great situation. We saw it happen in in uh, in Brooklyn in a terrible situation that you created for yourself. Now you've created another situation for yourself. It ain't quite going the way you thought it was. How's that going? I mean, he seriously can't demand another trade. But Kevin Durant's all pouty and unhappy, and you can feel it. You can see it. A five, six, seven game winning streak can put you right back into the conversation in the NBA. You know, the Kings are a five seed. They're only five games over 500. The Clippers, they've had a decent 10 game stretch. Now they're five games over 500 and they're the four seed. You know, you tell me in a, in, in a five game winning streak, the Warriors can go from your number 10 to you're a four seed like that could happen. <coughs> Obviously, teams have to fall back, but. There's still an awful lot of basketball left. And the Warriors are hopefully, you know, I don't want to say saving their best for last because that's just excusing away a lot of things here. But I don't think we've seen the best version of the Warriors. They're still figuring it out. But the time to figure it out is here. Here we go. One last note before we hop into Club Plus, see what you're all talking about. Aaron Gordon, excuse me, (coughs) Aaron Gordon of the Denver Nuggets is going to be missing an undisclosed amount of games going forward because a dog tried to eat him. Saw this story on Bro Bible. 
Dog didn't try to eat his homework. Dog tried to eat him. The Nuggets announced that Gordon will miss time after being attacked by a dog. Gordon was reportedly bitten and suffered cuts to his face and his hand. So those are obviously defensive wounds. The Nuggets say Aaron Gordon suffered lacerations to his face and hand resulting from a dog bite on Christmas. Aaron is in good condition and will remain away from the team while he recovers. The team said in a statement, additional updates will be provided as necessary. So on Christmas, on, on Christmas, Aaron Gordon had 16 points, 10 rebounds, and three assists against the Warriors. And then what? Gets attacked by a dog? How? I, I got questions here. I got questions. Whose dog? First of all, whose dog was it? Is it his dog? Was it a new dog? Was it a dog that was given to him? Like, here's your Christmas present, Aaron. I don't know. Is he, is he, he's got a girlfriend, gave him a dog on Christmas. And what? He opens up the dog present. And the dog just comes out and like jumps out of the cake and bites him on the face. I don't know. What, what happened? Whose dog is it? Is it his boy's dog? What kind of dog is it? Was it a Christmas present? Was he out walking in a park? Was it a stranger? So I will be I, I will be monitoring this story to the best of my ability using the internet, trying to find out more about this dog. There you go. There you go. So there's your show. Niners wake up 8 a.m. Friday. Excuse me, can't call it Niners wake up. They're very, very, very nervous that we're taking over uh, their flagship station and any other station. Um, so uh, it's wake up with Damon and Larry happening 8 a.m. Friday, West Coast time. I am not going to be doing a 11 a.m. as normally scheduled plus show just to spend a little more time with my family as my mom is coming out of her. She's been sick in the bedroom for about a week now. We need a good weekend together. And then you will see me again at the two-minute warning Sunday afternoon, like 1 o'clock-ish, 1.30-ish. And we will uh, be talking 49ers and what better damn well be a win over the Washington Commanders who are starting Jacoby Brissett over Sam Howell, even though Sam Howell started 15 games in a row. You will not be starting the 16th game of the Commanders season. And that's the game where the... 49ers are on the schedule. So, never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Unless you're listening to Sports Talk Radio, then you get lots of dull moments. But that's why you're here on YouTube. We've all figured it out together. Thank you for supporting what I'm doing over here. Thank you for being here. Not just to kill a work day, but even on your days off means an awful lot. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Most downloaded month in the podcast history. I thank you all. And please do remember that sports don't build character, they reveal it. And like that, he's gone.